Hello and welcome to Cruise Club. We've got the need, the need to podcast. This is episode six, All the Right Moves from 1983. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And with us today, so, okay, so we do not have our resident Ginzer, Joe Two. Ginzer, I don't know if you guys know, with mm. Pittsburgh slang for Pittsburgher. We don't have ah. our resident Ginzer here. Yeah, where was uh, he Joe on two. the uh, Prince of Pennsylvania Keanu episode? Anyway, I don't know. Yeah. Actually, you know, before we go too much further, this reminded me of Act of Vengeance yep. a little bit. It also kind of mm-hmm. gave me a little bit of Prince of, Pen- Prince of Pennsylvania vibes. It also reminded me a little bit of a movie that, Mike, you and I talked about on our guests' podcast, P.S. I Love Hoffman. Reminded me a little bit of uh, God's Pocket, mm-hmm. even though that took place in Philly. We have with us today our resident high school expert. Uh, he's been on so many of these goddamn Tom Tom episodes. So I don't know why. We're getting we him did... out of the way early <laughs> at the top. <laughs> yep, you know, save the best for last, if you will, so on and so forth. With us today, the ho- the host of High School Slumber Party, Mr. Brian Rodriguez. Hello, Brian. Hello. Thank you for having me. And look, I'm the high school film expert. Obviously, I'm going to be on at the beginning. Of course. True. Unless, you know, Tom Uh Cruise or Tom Hanks becomes a high school teacher. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh We'll have to see. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me. Well, so this was a movie that, you know, I had guessed. Mike, do you remember what your guest for this was? Because I thought this was going to be a dance movie, which it kind of is. I'm watching it right now, and, you know... Tom Cruise is dancing oh, in the locker the room. The locker room. That is that is an incredible scene. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. But I remember I sort of thought it was going to be um, all the right moves. Hanks was more of like this Ferris Bueller, Charlie Bartlett type that had all the answers. And uh, he was like a hitch, right? I was like, it's going to be Teenage Hitch or something like that. You know, that Will Smith remake? Is that the Oh, one? right. And yeah. then what was like Teen Hitch could be a thing. Like Teen Hitch works. So Yeah. yeah. Not Teen Witch. <laughs> I was going to say, it's a sound alike. I like it. Oh yeah, you were on the last episode too. God damn it, Brian! Just so many, so many Brian's so As early the on. Third anyway, co-host to Cruise Club. No, 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 no. <laughs> but you, you talked about like I didn't realize this is literally flash dance, but <laughs> it is. football it is. instead of dancing. So, well, Joey, I, I got a little bit of flying dream to believe as well. Oh. It's just like this high schooler sports career is all that matters. And they're one ticket out. And, you know, that is much more uplifting. I think this is this struck me more as like an adult movie for teens, like a serious, a serious fast times of some type or something. For as much as I recommend flying, I don't remember a lot about flying. I need to rewatch that because that's the one movie that I tell everybody to watch. And I was like, I don't remember yeah, we... a lot. About, I mean, I remember iconic sequences from it, but I don't remember a ton of the movie. I need, I need to watch it. And Hot Dogs, of course. Yeah, we were going to watch it for yeah, Brian's yeah, show no, eventually, so we'll get there. That's yeah. on the list. We just oh, got to get, jo- so get Jordan to have some free time, and we'll definitely do it. The one thing I want to point out at the top here, this is a movie where uh, it takes place either in Pittsburgh or right outside Pittsburgh. Tom Cruise is a defensive back for this high school football team, um, knows he does not have what it takes to make it to the NFL. Does not have all wants the right to, moves, as it were. He does not have. He has most of the right moves, mm-hmm. but knows that he's good enough to trade his football skills for a full ride to a college somewhere, like an, an athletic scholarship, that he can get a degree and get a job because he wants to get out of this town. Yeah, I thought that was really. It's smart. Like, I was not expecting that. He's like, I know I'm just gonna good enough yeah. to play college football, but I want to be an engineer, so I'm going to, like, play ball to get an actual job instead of, like, a fallback. He's like, yeah, I'm not going to the NFL. I was like, also, oh. I thought it was kind of funny that he's like, you know, the NFL doesn't want a 5'10 white cornerback. I was like, you're not 5'10. Like, I appreciate it. <laughs> you're not even close to 5'10, but, you know, it's fine. Also, I don't think 5'10, like, like, you want to be taller, you probably want to be 6'6", six, 6'1", six, whatever, for a cornerback, but, like, they're not going to not draft you based on that. If you have the speed, if you have the uh, jumping and everything, that's neither here nor there. He's dating Leah Thompson, who, Mike, I want to point out that this is only her second movie, and you've now covered the first two movies in her career, because her first movie was Jaws 3D. So you did that, and you did this, so we are working, you're slowly working your way (laughs) through the Leah Thompson filmography. I mean, there's a really good high school movie, I think it's a, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a high school movie with her and Chris Penn, who's also in this. It's called, like, I'm not sure what it's called exactly, Mm. I think, but Brian, you should check that one out. Yeah, that's Um, what it was. The Good Life, or The Good Times, or The Good Life, yeah, there's a... Eric Stoltz is in there, but she... well, she's also in a she's also in a pretty good other high school movie with almost Eric Stoltz. Oh yeah, Back to the Future, mm-hmm. of course. Yep. Uh, but I, I did like you know you mentioned Chris Penn. I like that we have sort of somehow broken free of our grip, our, our stronghold, our vice grip on Sean Penn. Mm-hmm. That we are now into Chris Penn, which is the yeah. the pen that I prefer. Yeah, R.I.P. Chris yeah. Penn, but you were great. 
terrific. Uh, nice guy, Eddie. Yeah. Cody Romano. And the only other real, I think, actor of note in this is Craig T. Nelson, who would go on to play coach, who is the coach in this. So, Do you think he got uh, that job from this, was like his audition? I mean, I know Probably Coach is a, is a comedy sitcom and everything, but like, you think this was prep? He was like, I played a coach. I should audition for that show. <laughs> Probably I didn't I was hurt. so happy to see him as the coach, as the resident sitcom expert as well. So, very excited about this. <laughs> That's right. Sitcom expert over there. And I'm also somewhat of the sports consultant now, Joey. So I of was course. I was not upset that I had to sit through a sports film this time. I'm, I'm used to them. I'm liking them. And this was a definitely a different tone than the ones we've been through before. So Oh, actually, one other actor, because he just came on screen. Terry O'Quinn, John Locke from Lost. Oh, yeah, he was in this movie as a college football coach looking to recruit Tom Cruise. I think that this is a very interestingly structured football or sports movie in that there's the one big game that happens halfway through the movie and then there's no more football. Mm-hmm. That instead of building up to the game that ends like the championship game or whatever, this is the one game they lose. Spoilers. Tom Cruise gets kicked off the team and then it's like, well, now what? And it's this, it's a sports movie, but it's also more about like uh, a small sort of Rust Belt town trying to get out of there, trying to make something of your life. You know, even Leah Thompson at the end when she and Tom Cruise are fighting and she says, you know, it's not fair that you, these fucking jocks get to leave the town because they can't even spell their name, but, like, I'm stuck here. It's a, it's a bummer. Yeah, no one's giving out saxophone scholarships, unfortunately. No. Which, man, that was a great sequence. I gotta say, I can't believe there's no gif of this on the internet. I want <laughs> All I want is him looking out his window and her just, like, seductively playing the saxophone in the streetlight. Like, that's so like, cool. Like, that, that was the yeah, best. That was one of the most amazing... Like, that's one of the... I've never seen this movie, and I don't know how I ever missed that sequence, because to me, that's one of the most amazing 80s images captured on screen ever. Like, usually, you know... I I think of the sweaty shirtless guy playing the sax from the Lost Boys, but uh-huh. now I will forever think of Leah Thompson serenading Tom Cruise outside of his window. Like, that was just incredible. Like, she wasn't playing Careless Whisper, but she might as well <laughs> have been. There's nothing sexier than in the 80s than a sax. I, you know, for my podcast, Mike, you were there. Better Off Dead, Lane Meyer, John Cusack, please. Yeah plays the sax for the Diane Franklin. And that's like, the fact that she was playing it for him, loved it. It was just awesome. And it's also, I mean, like, that's the foreplay, right? Because then that's when they finally have sex for the first time. Um, after, you know, that's sort of another through line in the movie. We'll get there. How can you not love her? Joey, that's interesting, like, you say, like, through line, because that's sort of what football is. Like, I think I read something, a description of this, where it's like, oh, it's a character study of this high school boy trying to get out of a dead-end town and stuff. And, like, that's kind of not far off. Like, football is a major part of his life, and it's a big part of the movie. But it's also, like you said, about the town. We get to we, we meet a lot of people in the town, a lot of the colorful characters. It's about the coach. Like, he's trying to get out of the town, too. It's a, Sean Penn and the pregnancy with his girlfriend and blowing uh-huh. his whole ride to uh, S, uh, California and everything. Like, you know, it, it's, more of, it's more of sort of like this puzzle put together, like this jigsaw of a town, than, you know, entirely Tom Cruise. But it rests upon his character's shoulders, for sure. And he's good in it. This is apparently the first time that he's above the cre- above the title, that he had been the star, obviously, of Risky Business and stuff, but he was not above the title in that. This is Tom Cruise in All the Right Moves. For better or worse, it is resting on his, you know, his acting ability, his charisma, his star power in this movie uh, in, a, in a way that obviously will go on through the rest of his career, but this is the first time it happened. Yeah, I'm, I was actually pretty... S- surprised with his range in this movie you know I knew he could explode but I was a little worried about him being um, like serious Cruz I guess for most of this movie or like it's just not the mode that uh, I'm used to seeing him in this early on so like I was mm-hmm. I was uh, pleasantly surprised that I was uh, buying it like I was really buying it like I think you're right I think he does have the chops here and he's not afraid to like look ugly and things like you know and a lot of this movie is he's in shape and stuff it's not like a vanity kind of thing you know they're very dirty and saying he's in shape is underselling (laughs) like he is ripped like when he the first thing we we see him wake up and he's shirtless and he just does push-ups like like he's on like not you know he's not quite because he's not a man he's still like a boy unless he's like 22 23 but like you know i think about movie rippedness and like i think about brad pitt and fight club right like Mm -hmm. Like, he's not there, but he's, like, he's he's not that far from there. No, no. But I, I guess I just meant in the sense that, like, you know, he's going to let, like, the snot drip from his face and the mud cover oh, him yes. and, like, that whole kind of thing. Like, he's not mm-hmm. concerned with, like, quote-unquote, looking good in this movie. I think he's here 
to work and it's coming through and I think it is working. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that 100%. And, you know, speaking about looking good, this is notable in that there are nude scenes in this movie. Like they, they play high schoolers, but the sex scene that we talked about, that I sort of talked about before where Tom Cruise and Leah Thompson have sex where she gets naked, that apparently she did not want to take this movie because there were two scenes where she had to get naked. And Tom Cruise, according to IMDb again, talked the director into removing one of those. So after she, after they removed one, she came on, but you see her boobs in this movie. And the insert shots, again, according to IMDb, in both the car scene in the beginning and then the sex scene at the end are body doubles. In the body double, you almost kind of see Tom Cruise's dick, but it's not him. But like, they're, they're, they're both exposing their bodies. They're, they're vulnerable and they're also sort of showing off their, you know, their, their young bodies. But like, they're, it's demonstrating a beauty, but it also feels like kind of real and not humble, but like sort of like, like they're both beautiful, but it's not, it's not doing it just to show beautiful bodies. It's like this is, like the story kind of earns it, I guess, is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it felt real. It didn't feel like they were exploiting them because they were hot young people. Like it, it felt like a real virginity loss scene, you know? It didn't feel like they were trying to turn us on, you know? I mean, I could see how people would be turned on. Because of the way they built to this, it felt like a real moment that they were letting themselves be vulnerable with each other rather than like hot people having sex, you know? This isn't losing it, you know? Like, losing, losing it. <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no real gratuity here. Like, and that's kind of what I felt the whole movie is like. It's very heavy drama, even melodramatic at, at times. And I think it's designed to try and be uncomfortable. Like, not just in that moment where it's like, oh, this feels like real teens, like, you know, going at it and everything, and, like, it's, yeah, it's emotional, and they're vulnerable, but there's also moments later, like, and earlier, like, the kind of date rapey scene where, you know, he's trying to pull those moves on Leah Thompson earlier in the movie, like, that's very uncomfortable for a reason. Uh, and then uh-huh. later in the movie, when he's confronting the locals, and they kind of grab Leah Thompson, and they're, they're like, you know, we're gonna, like, kick your ass and have your girl, and, like, that's very uncomfortable, too. So, like, I feel like they're just trying to make it feel more real in those moments, and I think... By result, the rest of the movie ends up feeling uh, like more naturalistic as well. One of the criticisms of this movie is that it it sort of relies upon cliches. Things do wrap up very nicely and neatly at the end. That like mm. you know people learn their lessons and everything. And I feel like it's sort of mixed reviews from critics and fans. I think in terms of like in a way feeling real, but in a way also feeling predictable. Like you've seen this before. I don't mind it as much because it doesn't, in a way, the tra- the traditional. I, I'm sure, as you know, Mike. Uh, you know, it's not the traditional sports movie. It's kind of a, right. it's its own thing, and it, it it gets from point. Like I feel like it gets from the same point A to point Z or whatever the way that a lot of movies do, but I feel like the way that it sort of navigates through the waters is different enough to make it worth watching, to make it sort of stand out and be a little bit different and feel a little bit, you know, grittier in ways and also more earned and sort of more honest and raw. Yeah, and even from a high school film perspective, I talk about it on my show all the time, a lot of these movies, high school movies, are super, super similar, but it's just about how well they're executed. And And I have to say, I really... You know, yeah, they're cliches, but I really liked how this one was executed. Yeah, I agree. I think what helps it in in executing sort of like familiar ideas is that it's not just a high school movie. It's it's also a sports movie, and it's also sort of like this um, broke town movie as well. So like, there's three different types of like films that they're drawing from, and I feel like they're doing it pretty well from all different types as well you know like we get you know obviously the big game thing from football and stuff and then we get the oh i'm trapped working at the mill part and you know all this but together they work i feel like there's a nice sort of contrast between them all and you know i don't i don't think it's the great like i really hate the ending of this movie to be quite honest and we'll get to it when i think you know what would be different if hanks was the lead role but like i fucking hated how this movie ended like it's so it's a fairy tale like i thought maybe cruz's character like died in an accident and like this was just him like (laughs) ascending to the heavens like what he was thinking like yeah it really you know not ruined it but i mean i was just like oh this is where they really for me drop the ball but drop the football drop the football it's called a fumble sports expert (laughs) i should have known one thing i do really like about this in terms of and talking about the football just for a second is that tom cruise plays a cornerback like a defensive Mm -hmm. back like i feel when you're the star of the movie and you're in a sense, kind of the face of the team and the face of the movie that he would play the quarterback or the running back or maybe like a star receiver, but he's, he's, I mean, he's an important, like they're all important positions, but it feels like there's not a lot of movies I don't think about cornerbacks, although 
you know, Brian, I think we talked about on our uh, episode of your show that comes out today, High School Summer Party, because Fridays are for fun. <laughs> I think we referenced very quickly uh, Remember the Titans, and I think in that movie, Ryan Gosling also plays a cornerback, but he's also not the star no, of that movie. he's not the star, yeah. Right, so, so I like that this movie sort of focuses, like it feels it knows more about football than a lot of football movies, in, in, <laughs> in just as much as it's focusing on a, on, a, on a position and like an element of the game that isn't usually highlighted in a movie like mm. this. Yeah, you never see like movies where the star is like like a defensive back, like you said. I mean, you hardly ever see movies where the main star is on defense because controlling the ball like moves sports films you know and again this is not a sports film in a sense where we're seeing games and we're showing him how to win because if it was what are we gonna like just watch him waiting for the ball to come there you know chasing a receiver Mm. down it's just there's no power almost in being a defensive back from a cinematic standpoint but they were able to to me that added a a, a realness to the movie that was a little bit better that it wasn't just about winning these football games. I mean, they were still able to have the game change on a play that he made for the worse, that he gets flagged for pass interference mm-hmm. after his coach tells him how to play the ball differently. He doesn't do it. He doesn't have all the right moves. But I, I like that, you know, you know that when he's the star of your movie, he's going to... It's something in the in the in the big game in capital letters the big game is going to come down to him and he messes up here. But it's it's instead of you know the quarterback throwing an interception or the running back fumbling or whatever, it's the defensive back getting flagged for pass interference and giving them first and goal as time expires. Basically, that r- sort of ruins or you know the the ampipe bulldogs or whatever they are that it, it, it puts them in the corner yeah i actually liked all that too because i felt like it was speaking more to its audience in a way like you know if you know football like this might be better than following the quarterback because every movie does or whatever you know like it's a way that they're sort of breaking from the standard and because you know i think of like keanu and the replacements was a quarterback right like and he was the main character there and everything so shane falco <laughs> yeah so to be quite honest like i didn't even really it never quite occurred to me like his position and the importance of it it was just you know the idea that he is a high school football player and the scouts are watching him and all you know like I feel like it that comes across enough I felt like Chris Penn was the guy on the team who's like the superstar like that's the guy going to the NFL like if anybody right and because uh, he even talks about like he's going to USC like that's a that's a powerhouse football school that he's getting recruited from this like tiny town outside Pittsburgh across the country. Like he's good enough to get national recognition. So absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, like maybe, you know, in a, in a more sort of traditional quote unquote football, high school football movie, just about that and not sort of about like the town and general and stuff like we would be following Chris Penn, that character. And like, you know, the Tom Cruise character would be the best friend who probably got pregnant, got his girlfriend pregnant and you know, whatever it would be like, the fantasy of the Chris Penn character story and stuff. And yeah, and I think this is the more interesting movie at the time. I agree with everything you said. I just, and I also agree with what you're saying earlier that I kind of wish that it didn't have such a happy ending for Tom Cruise. Like I, I kind of wish you want, you want the Pardue ending, right? Like you want that. I ending. do a little <laughs> yeah, bit. I do too. I wanted to, <laughs> but like, you know, he messes up in the game, which is not necessarily his fault, but also not great. Uh, he mouths off to the coach. I mean, he's defending his team, but he mouths off to the coach uh, and he gets kicked off the team. And then, you know, he tells off the coach at the end, and then he just sort of accepts his life in the small town. Like, And I feel like that's obviously not the life that he wanted. He wants to go to a good school and get a degree and become an engineer or whatever. But I also feel like the where that story goes, where he is now an 18-year-old working at the mill, and that's his life now, but also knowing that his girlfriend, Leah Thompson, is going to be a senior, and she's going to be around, and she doesn't have the money, and she doesn't necessarily have the grades to get out of town. Like, I feel like... That's also kind of like a happy, happy story in a way, right? Like it's not the story that he wanted, but if he's sort of saddled here, he's kind of got this like it's not the life that he wants, but it's a, it's a it's a decent life. And then for him to just be rescued by the Deus Ex Machina of his girlfriend appealing to the coach's wife and then appealing to the coach and just having him offer Cruz a scholarship, it's just like we don't need a happy ending. We we this is like this could have been enough. Well, what about know? the conspiracy theory angle here? Have you thought about that? That the coach, yeah, he's mad at him, but he knows he's a great player. Maybe he promised Cal Poly that he would bring one of his players in, trashed him to every other school so he wouldn't go there, and then it was just like, 
Oh. That's what I was thinking. Like, Whoa. I don't know how the, how tough hmm. the NCAA was back then, but now they would totally fine this guy and say, like, you can't do that, you know? <laughs> you, you can't hire an assistant coach and then trash a player to everyone else and then end up signing him, you know? So I thought it might be possible. Investigate. I know he was, like, upset and obviously trashed his home, but maybe in the back of his head he thought, I can bring a really good player yeah. who's going to play for the top D1 school to my school, which isn't as good of a program for football-wise, but... The best engineering... It's the best engineering school in the country, he I says, mean, so. Coach was desperate, too, right? Like, that was his whole thread. He he said just as many times as Tom Cruise, like, we gotta get out of here, and he already had the wife and kid, and, like, I kind of half agree with you, Joey, in that, like, he did end up with a happy ending, but I, then I look at Coach, and it's like, well, that's Tom Cruise's future. He's still just trying to get out of town, and... I don't know. I was a little confused. Like, why would anyone hire Craig T. Nelson after what his team did in the way it falls apart? And (laughs) And they haven't won. Disobedient. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I think think it's it's the kind of thing where, in a sense, when you're applying to colleges as a student, as like a high school student, like you can get early acceptance over the summer or whatever, right? Like you can, like I mm-hmm. entered my senior year of high school knowing that I got into Ramapo, right? Like, so I knew that I was going to school there. And basically the, the assumption is like, unless like you really totally fuck up, like you're going to be fine. So like, unless he somehow goes like, oh, in 12 and like gets blown out every game, like he's still the guy for the job. You know what I mean? So okay. I, don't, I don't think that it mind, that they mind that they lost this undefeated team because like they maybe shouldn't have beaten the undefeated team. I don't think that's too much of a point to, to sort of dwell on. He's also way. a position coach. Maybe he knows the coach there well, and it was just, as you said, it was probably something that was already going to happen, potentially anyway. I mean, I don't, we're, since we're talking about the ending, I thought it would have been a better thing to do than say, hey, so I'm going to coach at Cal Poly. I can't recruit you as a player, but maybe I can hire you part-time as a graduate assistant, or as an assistant, and perhaps you can make some money, enough to money to perhaps go to this school one day, you know? Uh, you know? I don't I don't know if I wanted in this kind of Tom Cruise vehicle to just see him accept that regular life because I just well, don't I don't I just it's not something personally I wanted to see. I don't think it would end with him accepting it, but I just feel like the movie was heading there and it seemed like they screened it and test audiences just left there reaching for Prozac, you know, at the pharmacy across the street and they're like shit, like we can't go out on this note like People are bringing dates to this, and they want to get laid after. Well, like, yeah, they have to though. leave this movie happy. There's no way they're gonna put this ending on. So, like, that's why I was a little disappointed because the whole movie, I'm going like, wow, there's like, there's a pretty good set of balls on this film for a high school movie for like a teen film. It feels more geared toward like adults and. It, just like it's trying not that it is but it's trying to feel more sophisticated from other films at the time which just happened to tend to be more sort of like boner jokes like what i came what i expected this to be more of it deserves the dark ending but i can understand why they would never yeah do that. I, I just knew it never was gonna be because it, it's tom cruise i like i knew of this film it's a pretty popular film all the right moves so i'd never seen it before but like i knew of it tom cruise like his first leading thing like you said this is a movie where people are probably taking their dates to but like taps is dark taps and taps is real dark super dark like but, he gets machine gun to death at the end of that but he, he's not tom cruise yet true true you know true this is his first one, or probably after Risky Business, right? They were just like, we're well, so se- that, selling that's this the guy. interesting thing. So while they were filming this, this is again according to IMDb that because they were both like he and Leah Thompson were both like twenty one, twenty two when they were filming this, and so they wanted them to sort of remember what it was like to be a high schooler. So they both put they put Leah Thompson and Tom Cruise in high schools in the area, and Tom Cruise was immediately recognized by kids because they had seen Taps. Hmm. That like Risky Business wasn't out yet, and. Maybe losing it wasn't out yet either, but like taps had been out. So people were just like, oh, that's that guy from that movie. And Leah Thompson, because she'd only been in Jaws 3D, and I don't even know if that had been out yet or not, went undetected, but like because she's beautiful, like apparently, according to IMDb, like every guy asked her out, and like she was just like this like hit, but like they, they wanted them to sort of get back into that lifestyle. Even though he was recognizable, this is not, you know, he's still not really Tom Cruise yet. You know what I mean? So like even if he had filmed Risky Business, even though he had filmed Losing It, I think that he's still trying to figure out, like, the kind of actor he is, the kind of projects he wants to take. You know, Risky Business is kind of dark. 
Like it's mm-hmm. not like we're talking about how like that should be a comedy. It's not a comedy. Not that it should be, but, but they like, shifted the ending think, there. You too. would think that it's a comedy or whatever, right? But yeah, I get it from the actor standpoint. I'm thinking more from the studio standpoint. Like, oh, we got a hot young, we got a hot young star. You know, like we got to make certain movies for him uh, where he's the lead and people take their dates and they're talking about it. And that was this kind of movie. Yeah. People, uh, people who grew up in this era, like this was a film that almost everyone saw. In terms of not like it was the hugest hit, but it's like everyone is super familiar with this film. Let's talk about, you know, as we do from week to week, uh, our favorite and least favorite moments. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, my favorite moment we already talked about, uh, Leah Thompson playing that sweet, sweet sax. Yeah, that was going to be my favorite moment. Like, because, I mean, well, that's the obvious. Like, that's just yep. got to be. But I was watching it and I found a runner-up. I Ooh. think it's a really great runner-up. It's when Cruz's dad and brother are hanging out at the bar after he blows the game, and the guy, like, taps his shoulder, and he's super drunk, and he's like, yeah, your son, like, fucked up and blew the game and shit, and his, Cruz's dad just fucking decks the guy in the face oh. and turns back to his son and is like, I think I'm going to get home now, you know, I'm going to go home and wait for him and this and that, and then his son is like, holy shit, dad, he's got, like, this look on his face, and he's so happy. That, that moment was great. <laughs> You guys said my two, the two moments I wrote down. <laughs> well, oh, sorry, we should have asked you first. Damn it! <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, that just shows that those were awesome moments. Um, you know, I, I also want to give this movie credit for like uh, for really doing the football game justice. Like, it's you know, it's it, we talked about how it's weird that it's in the middle of the movie, or weird only in the sense that like it's not conventionally it's like that there was a wedding in the middle of a movie right yeah. instead of like the end or something but i like that the the, the football game is probably like 10 or 15 minutes of like a 90 minute movie like it's significant like i think it's shot well oh, i think that know, there's good action i like that you know tom cruise is a pick six he returns an interception for touchdown you know why you think it's shot well joey Oh, it's Jan de Bont, baby. Director of photography, Jan de Bont, in the house. Probably best known for being the DP on Roar, of course, but also directing a little-known movie called Speed, of course. But right. but yeah, but I mean, I think that like the game is good. I think that it doesn't feel cliche. Like, you know, we were talking about how Tom Cruise gets flagged for pass interference, they go down the goal line, but then the defense stops him, right? Like, there's like a minute and a half left, the defense stops him, and then they're just trying to run the clock out, and the running back fumbles in the end zone as time expires... You know, if this was the actually NFL, what you'd do is you just either run out of the back of the end zone for a safety if you're up by more than two, or just throw the ball away or whatever. Like there's there's things you could do to like chew the clock a little bit better. Yeah, coach, this one's on you. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Like I, I thought that I was like, what the fuck, coach? I love Friday Night Lights, a TV show. I love the, the movie. Hopefully, we'll talk about it on your podcast at some point, Brian. But like the show, so many games are decided by like a last second hail mary, and it's just like that's not how football works. Like, sometimes it is, but it's not how football always works. And I feel like here, like, I can't think of any other movies where the game turns on a fumble in the end zone by the offense that the defense recovers for time. Like, it's just, like, this is this crazy turn of events that, like, it feels fresh to a movie, especially in a movie that's, you know, 35 years old. As soon as they were all celebrating and happy, I said, don't fumble. And sure enough, like, so I think what they might have been going for is just like, what is the most yeah. recognizable error that we could do here so that everyone would understand, like, this is terrible, what's happening here? And that. Yeah, like, it's it's the it's sort of a cinematic equivalent of, like, if they were down, right, and like the, say, you know, Tom Cruise intercepts a pass and he like gets tackled to the two or whatever and like it's like this cakewalk this easy field goal and like that kicker just shanks it right or something like i think it's like the equivalent of that like the uh the gut punch like you know the the defense makes a huge stop and the offense just can't finish the job yeah, for so. sure you couldn't have ended the game like on a pass interference call like i don't think right. the general audience is going to understand what exactly happened if that's the case well also you can't end a game on a pass interference no call. no but that's you know what i mean a, like that, that couldn't have been the final error sure I, no i i agree i really like how it started raining in the game yeah. i always love when like weather is sort of like written into scripts and stuff is like because it's just like i i don't know dramatic it's so dramatic it's like oh the heavens have opened up and the game is getting serious but also they trained so much in the mud that i thought it was going to give them the advantage and i thought that was sort of something they were setting up earlier in the movie and and it comes somewhat does you know in in the end they do stop them from scoring and all that kind of thing so yeah so how about least favorite moments i think we all talked about how we do not like that the ending feels a bit uh too happy overly happy we understand why it happens, but 
Uh, least we'll, we'll let Brian go first because we just totally <laughs> yeah we took the wind out of his sails exactly uh, but Brian what's your least it, 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 could, it could be something we really talked about like your least favorite moment in this movie well I found another favorite moment so I'll just mention it very quickly oh well Brian we are past that point but I'll, I, will, I will let you go back <laughs> thank you I was going to ask for the permission but and then uh, another shout out Joe too here I like how uh, Chris Penn on his honeymoon goes to see the penguins play the flyers <laughs> Ooh. what a romantic honeymoon <laughs> I did very like nice it. yeah least favorite I'm trying to figure out besides like the ending and such what my least favorite moment was there's some questionable racial things here but, I mean, it's 1983. Oh, well, yeah, the, uh, Coach T. Nelson says, like, you know why they count us up? Because we're this slur, that slur, yeah. this slur. It's just like, oh, huh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was a very Bad News Bears moment for me. Like, I'm, I'm going through that series right now, and not Walter Matthau, the coach, but one of the kids on the team is like, we're a bunch of this, that, the other thing, the N-word, S-word, this word, you know? And I was like, whoa, hey, it's like, uh, is that was that a thing in, like, 80s sports films? Like, <laughs> yes, we're the underdogs, we're all together, like, we should band together. But, like, calling it out like that was uh, aggressive. (laughs) I mean, I really actually like this soundtrack. I think I want to get it. This is nominate this for the song when we get there. Oh, no, absolutely. (laughs) This is uh, we got all the right moves. That's it's great. Um, I don't know how I feel. Like, occasionally I've seen them do this. I don't know how I feel that when the movie ends, the soundtrack gets top billing. You know, that's super, (laughs) super rare. But, like, it also it kind of makes sense. But I made a note of that. (laughs) I thought that was, I thought that was a. Kind of funny. Um, I don't know how I feel about the arc of his one friend, and I wrote down his name. Sorry, he has an Italian last name. Oh, the uh, the hoodlum. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. ends up like robbing something, right? And he get, and he gets he gets arrested, arrested in class. In school. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, that was a, that was kind of that to me felt a little too melodramatic in class like that. But again, it's not a huge criticism of mine. Side note, so there's like a scene at the beginning where I don't know if he's actually raising the desk with his penis. Oh, he is because Tom Cruise slams it shut and he like like breaks his dick. But yeah, it's a a weird scene. I I thought it was an optical illusion. And then I was like, whoa, it seemed like it actually hurt him there. So, uh, you know, I don't have too many like really big criticisms of this film again, besides for the ending and certain melodrama here or there and a little bit of a racial twinge. Mike, what about you? Do you have a a least favorite moment that we have not talked about or maybe that we have? Yeah, I think it's definitely um, when they're parking and Tom Cruise is trying to finger Leah Thompson and she's like, says no. A little rapey. Several, several times until she has to scream it and push him off her and he kind of gets like this, what's the matter face? And I'm just like, oh God. Yeah. Like, I understand. I get it. Like, you know, he wants to lose it and she wants to lose it and they're just not ready and they're different places but like that was again to use the word one more time that was aggressive (laughs) and you know i understand why it's there like again i said earlier the movie's trying to do these things like they're not ready for right like they're these are very adult things and like we came across this in fast times but you know i think heckerling had a lot more tact and flair and it was more of a comedic thing with like undertones and everything uh but here they want it to be uncomfortable and stuff and i think at least it did that, but I just think they accomplished it better with other moments in the movie. We really didn't need to see it go that far. I would have to uh, second everything that you guys are saying. There's other things, like I feel like once Tom Cruise gets kicked off the team, I can see where criticism in this movie comes into play, where it's like cliche after cliche, where like, you know, Cruise goes to the, the next football practice or whatever, you know, he tries to talk his way back on the team, and the coach is like, no, you, you played your last game. And then Tom Cruise is like, you know, sir, you're really fucked, man. He's like, no, son, you are. It's like, well, that's that's the line. Like, that's that's what you went with. <laughs> like, it just feels like there's like these things where just like, this is like not the beginning of the end, but like we we sort of spent our creative energies here, and now the rest of the movie is just uh, Tom Cruise trying to like get by in this, like trying to figure out what his future looks like now, which I uh, which I understand is interesting in and of itself, but it's also take another pass at the script, maybe have it a little bit less cliche, I don't know. I also didn't like when they go to the bar at the end, and they get into that big scuffle over, like, you know, you tired of fucking this Polish pussy or whatever, and she, then Leah Thompson's just, like, heartbroken, and Tom Cruise gets in the fight there, like, I was like, that's kind of, again, to use your word, Mike, a little aggressive there, like, why are you talking down to this high school girl? I don't know, but... yeah. Yeah, that was that was my runner-up least favorite moment. That was a better example than the date rape. You know what I'm saying? Just because Tom Cruise wasn't committing the sort of offense in that scene, you know. But like it was it was on the town the townies and all that kind of thing. So you still got uncomfortable about 
Leah Thompson being sort of, you know, yeah. preyed on and everything like that, yeah. but it wasn't by the hero of the movie. Or just, like, treated as, like, an object or, like, just, like, the, like you know, Tom Cruise's, like, it, she belongs to Tom Cruise, right? So it's just, mm-hmm. it's all icky. Yeah, uh, you kind of bring up an interesting point, too. Um, I think in the script, they clearly wanted to make these ethnicities more a part of their characters, but did Tom Cruise feel Serbian to you? Wait, what? His name is crazy. I mean, not crazy in terms of, like, the Serbian name, but Stefan Georgievich, um, which compared to what we've seen before, it's a different... Although, I think we talked about on uh, Too Fast, Too Forever, Mike, when we recorded with Joe, that we saw this great, great tweet, Brian, that you might appreciate this. Somebody, we, we played the uh, Boy Do We Have a Podcast for You game at the end of that show, and his pinned tweet was... you. <laughs> You could replace Tom Cruise's character name in every movie with Lightning McQueen and not a thing would change. And again, here, Lightning McQueen, the cornerback, absolutely. So maybe that's a game we have to play, Mike. Could he be Lightning McQueen? Which it. the answer was always going to be yes. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if he feels Serbian. I do feel like he feels... Like, I think the movie consciously wants to make him ethnic or like he's not just... Like, he's obviously handsome and white and leading male or whatever, but it feels like that there's something that he's not necessarily... Like, he's kind of a little bit on the outside for whatever reason, right? Like, again, Mm -hmm. also, like, Leah Thompson, like, beautiful, young, white girl, but also looked down upon because she's Polish or whatever. Like, they're not... Whether that's justified or not, but that the movie's like, well, there's a reason for these, like, dumb bar guys to, like, to shit on these kids. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like... Not that it's necessarily gonna... They don't have to be discriminated against, but I feel like it's in there just just in case. I felt like it just made it more real in the sense that there's more than discrimination against African-American kids, you know, because we see the same townie earlier be like, walk by them and be like, what's up, brothers? And they look at him like, white boy, you know what I'm saying? Like, what is he thinking? You know, so I just think it's more of like, in real life, there's an even racism, like, even though Tom Cruise is white, like, he's a different ethnicity. You know, so like to this guy, to this drunk who never left town, right? Another possible future for Tom Cruise's character. Like, clearly, this guy never took off his high school football jacket, right? <laughs> like, it's turned brown on him and everything. So, like, he was a star once, too. And he's full of resentment and shit. Yeah, I, I just think, I don't know. It was just a touch. I just feel like, oh, okay, like, it's inclusive bigotry, I guess. I don't know. But, like, in the long run, it just made it feel like again more grounded to a very slight degree i could see that i also think i mean kind of relatedly it reminds me of like a nora efron quote where she says like whenever a screenwriter writes their first line they're also writing the first line of their academy award speech i think this probably started with a more ambitious look at the different ethnicities in western pennsylvania almost like a deer hunter kind of thing you know and it probably was Mm. like scaled back down to where we just get like the names and occasional references that's that's at least how it reads to me yeah i actually feel some of that in god's pocket right but i don't feel any of that in prince of pennsylvania right joey so like it's a tricky thing to try and include when when you have football here like it's just there's too much focus on other like there's too much of a distraction like i just don't feel like there's a time or room to really delve into that either long long answer long or whatever like i did not realize that he was (laughs) Serbian. Any other thoughts about the uh, the movie before I sort of run through some other stuff and we can uh, get to uh, some other games and stuff? No, it's a pretty it's a pretty uh, simple uh, one here, you know. Which it's nice. It was what an hour and a half, maybe soaking wet. Yeah, I was uh, I was glad it was just ninety minutes, and uh, it feels short because I noticed that there's like some very long takes in this movie and some like very long shots and long sequences and stuff and so like there's not not that much like is going on here and it feels a little stretched out too and I think that maybe wore on me a little bit also where I was like this is starting to feel a little redundant I guess at points and stuff and so once he gets kicked off the team like it somewhat turns into like a different type of movie and for me I feel like it maybe hits a wall to a degree especially when it just turns around and does a complete 180 at the end anyway and it's just like guess what like he doesn't have to live a shitty life he gets to go on and like be right. an engineer you know I think we were talking I don't remember if it was on a revisited mic or if it was on another episode but we were talking about how movies that focus on more than one character or maybe it was just an episode I was listening to because you're talking about you're talking about Han right you're talking about how 
Maybe it was this. I don't know. It all blurs together. We've got a lot of shows here, guys. I'm so sorry that I sound like a mess right now. But you're talking about how, like, you really applaud when movies try to... Oh, no, we were talking about Mazes and Monsters. It was about Hangs of the Memories, where it sort of transitions from one character to another and doesn't really do it well. Mm. And you talked about how Tokyo Drift, how it goes from being Sean's movie to Han's movie for a little bit. Like, that works. I feel like the more common version of that is when a movie is one thing and then sort of pulls like a wild 180 becomes something else. Like, I feel like that happens a lot and it's done to various degrees of success. Mm, like a dust till dawn is the extreme, right? Exactly. Like, hey, we're we're just like, a, oh, we'll all of a sudden we're in a world where vampires exist and we're vampire hunters now or whatever. Like that's your whatever. I don't, I don't, is that what it's about? I don't remember. Pretty much. Basically. Bank robbers turn vampire hunters. Yeah. <laughs> extreme, mild, whatever. You can do it well, you can not do it well. It all depends on what the script is, how well it's edited, stories told, whatever. And I feel like I don't mind that it becomes a different movie. I just I mind that it goes from being like this interesting movie about a scrappy kid trying to like utilize the one move he has. Like if this is like a game of if this is like a game of poker, right? Like he's got like the one move he can make. And like he's not like and bluffing, right but he's got, he's got the one he's got the one the one chips or like the one I don't know, this is this metaphor is falling apart. But like he's got the one move that he can make and then like that gets taken from him. And I don't mind that it becomes a different thing where he has to figure out what's next. I mind that it's like him moping around. And I looked at one point and there was like 13 minutes left in the movie. I was like, oh, nothing's going to get wrapped up. Or like, it's all going to get wrapped up in a hurry. Like, that's what happens. Like, it just feels like there's not enough time for him to grow or to learn. And it's just him like begging for forgiveness of everyone who will hear it. And then finally, you know, because of his girlfriend, gets it. And it just feels... Ugh. Yeah, it's too bad too, because like, I mean, it was on its way to, to like working all the way. And then... I don't know what happened. I guess it just, they must have just felt like this is just too depressing. Whereas, like, I'm in a point in my life where it's like, I want that movie. Like, that's the dare. Like, that's, you know, that's the more interesting thing at this point. Instead of just it becomes every other movie at the end. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just, just if you're watching it, just, I guess expect that <laughs> you know the episode that brian and i just recorded for his show high school slumber party about assassination nation which comes out today because fridays are for fun i said it before, I'll say it again. <laughs> um, we were talking about how like i don't know if i explicitly said it on that show but like show me a movie that i've never seen before right like show me something that like mm-hmm. has not been done like i i know how this movie i know how all the right moves plays out like either once he leaves the team either like he's gonna have a happy ending or he's not gonna have a happy ending and, like i feel like however you get to that end point do it in, a, in, a, in an interesting way because i feel like the first half had been something that i really hadn't seen before that it was something not wildly new but different enough where i was like okay i'm on board and then the back half is just not that and like it's i'm not comparing this movie to assassination nation because they could not be more different <laughs> even than both high school movies but like that movie is so boldly itself and this is just like a well, like, here's where we're going to get to. And, okay. Yeah, it, it starts off being itself, then it loses its confidence in, like, you know, like a high school kid almost. Like, it, it tries to be something it's not, right? Like, it turns on itself to be something else before it fully realized what it was, and it could have just been that all along. I don't know. Maybe that was just me in high school? I don't know. What if am I being a little too... <laughs> getting a little too deep here. Brian, any other thoughts about all the right moves? No, no. I mean, not really. It's a pretty, like I said, straightforward film. I'm probably going to cover this on my podcast. Not for a while, though. I don't know if I'm going to have a different opinion on the second watch. I think, like, you pro- pretty much get the same thing every time you watch this film. The one benefit I might give the movie is that, like, knowing where it goes, you might be less disappointed. Mm, That's a good point. I don't know if you'll like it more, but you won't be as hopeful that something like like completely brand new is going to happen. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to make it better, but you're going to sort of have a sense of what's coming. Yeah, I just, I guess I've seen too many of these where I wasn't too hopeful on the ending. I kind of knew that's where it was going to go because they kept, he kept mentioning that he got the job at Cal Poly and they kept saying that school. And I'm like, it has to pay off somehow. So, no, but I, I think you're right. That's true. Sometimes when you know where the ending's going, you can just re-examine things at a different level. So, you know, maybe on the second watch, it's a little different. That's a good point. I'd be interested to uh, hear what, like, uh, someone else thought of this, like what your guest will think about this movie, whoever you, whoever that ends up being, though, you know? Yeah, I, I always say, like, if I have ten different guests on for one movie, I'm probably going to have ten different, you know, very uniquely different conversations. That's a great advertisement for Too Fast, Too Forever, where we're watching the same eight movies and having wildly different, actually the same conversation kind of over and over <laughs> again. But it's still great. 
Uh, Mike, any other thoughts about all the right moves? Um, only that, like, I think if I was going to ever rewatch, I don't think I'm ever going to rewatch this again, but if I did, it would just be more to, like, see what Cruz is doing acting-wise this early. Like, I just yeah. thought that was interesting. Like, that really kept me involved with this as I was starting to sort of lose attention. My attention was starting to wane a bit uh, toward the end and stuff. I was still always just trying to pay attention to Tom and see what he was doing. And yeah, I mean, like, I was not expecting him to be able to go there this early, to be honest. Like, I'm not even, I'm trying to rack my brain, like, Magnolia, of course, but like, when does he ever get to do, like, super deep dramas again? I mean, we're gonna, we'll we'll get there if he does, but I'm having a hard time because I just know him so much for action and, and that, that I forget that he has more ability than that. And this is a good example of it. And, uh, I look forward to trying to see this Tom again down the line and uh, when he reappears and stuff. So I think like that that's worth uh, something right there about this movie alone, is uh, seeing another side of Tom Cruise doing the very serious stuff pretty well that you might not expect. Some other notes that I have, $5.5 million budget made a little over 17 at the box office, so not a huge hit, but made money. So that was, you know, good for that, Good for especially good for... You know, Tom Cruise's career that he was able to lead a movie that made money. It also probably helps that it came out the same year as Risky Business and Losing It, so his name was everywhere, I'm sure. Uh, again, just I have an underlined Leah Thompson seductively playing saxophone outside the, the window is the best. Just want to make a call out to that for the third or fourth time because it is so, so good. Cruise has that whole... It's not. It's a bit of a monologue, but it's also as he's like angrily like shuffling down the street where he's just talking about how like... Basically about how the coach screwed him over, right? Like he goes up to the coach in the diner says, I'm sorry, walks out. The coach is like, hey, let me talk to you. He's like, I got nothing to say. It's like, well, then why'd you say you're sorry? Like, it feels <laughs> a little weird there. So he's got this whole thing about, like, how, you know, he's not God, blah, blah, blah. He did this, he did this, he didn't do this, or whatever. He's like, you're just a typing teacher. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, which typing class? Did you guys recognize what they were actually typing on? Do you know what those... Those typewriters? Uh, typewriters, yeah. yeah. I thought it was like a trick question. Like I thought you were going to be like, that's a Casio Model 5542. No, like, no. I was, <laughs> uh, I, was, I was just playing the old role. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I mentioned already that Leah Thompson said she did not want the part because it required two nude scenes, but Tom Cruise persuaded the producers to drop one of them, so she was there. I mentioned about how they both went back to high school for this. They performed a majority of their own nudity, but body doubles were used for the insert shots. Again, for the makeout scene in the car. Film soundtrack noticeably receiving top billing in the movie's closing credits. The tracks each having the extraordinary action of having each scene that they were played and included... Oh, so not only is it top credited, but it's also like what scene it was in. So you're like, wow. oh, I remember like that song is cool or whatever. It also, what the hell? I don't know, but it felt to me very 80s sports movie. So I was like, this basically feels, sounds like a Rocky movie. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I could see that. But I don't. I, I will never understand the soundtrack's top billing like that. <laughs> Kyle and I always joke that there's one film. I, there's only one film before this that we've ever seen that did this, and that was that Disney Three Musketeer version. It was like in the '90s with like Oliver Platt and oh huh. yeah, and Kiefer Sutherland. Sutherland. Yeah, and there's a song with it's Brian Adams, Sting, and Rod Stewart sing like the theme to that. Really? Oh, why didn't they play the three? <laughs> That'd be cool. And and the first thing that comes up in the credits of that film, I think we were like together watching it like on cable or something. And the first thing that comes to credit is like that song. It's not even the soundtrack. It's just like it says like this song available on whatever records, and then it starts playing it. I'm like, wow. <laughs> so that's the only other time I've seen something remotely similar to this. Well, that's what's so weird about some credits. Like, at the end of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, the first credit to come up is Taj Mahal. And, like, he plays St. Peter's at the Gates of Heaven. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, why is that the first title card that came up? Last few things. This isn't based on a true story, but, like, it seems like Tom Cruise's character might have been inspired by a, a guy who went on to become a Pennsylvania football coach. And it's also, the film was made and released a couple years after this long-form journalism piece was written about a Duquesne, I want to say, high school football team in Pennsylvania. Uh, That was written by journalist Pat Jordan. So it feels like it's not based on true story, because it kind of sort of feels true Mm story-ish, but it feels just sort of inspired by that whole era. Like like how Friday Night Lights isn't necessarily based... Well, I guess that's a bad example, because that is based on a thing. But like it's also not only is based on a a movie that's based on a book that's based on a true story, but it kind of just captures the vibe of high school football in Texas. You know what I mean? So the very last thing I have in my notes is that Tom Cruise suffered a minor concussion 
during filming. So oh. whoever said acting is not hard work. Okay. All right. So, Mike, I think you teased it earlier. If Tom Hanks were <laughs> cast in the part of this Serbian football player, what would this movie look like? Mike, I'll let you go first. So I basically think it would look mostly the same, believe it or not. Like, um, I'm, you know, I'm sure Tom Hanks could put on a few pounds of muscle if he needed to for this role, and I think he could have pulled off the drama as well. Uh, maybe not to this degree. Perhaps it might not have worked. Well, okay, so my main difference, though, is uh, it would get the Pardew ending. Like, it would definitely have to end on one of those dark bosom buddy season two <laughs> last second endings where he gets stuck in town with the crappy job and you know the beautiful girlfriend and everything but you know not the life that he wanted he had to he has to settle so yeah. that's that's my main change i think that makes sense brian what about you what uh how would you see this movie playing out differently if tom hanks were in the lead role <sighs> it's tough the only football film i could think of that tom hanks is in technically is part of Forrest Gump. He plays for <laughs> Alabama, but, you know, that's not really part of the film. I don't know. This is another This is another tough one. I don't. I see Tom Cruise is more like that sexy body for that sex scene. You know what I'm saying? Ooh, the hard body. Hands on a hard <laughs> yeah. body. I don't know. That's not, like, not Tom Hanks to me. I don't necessarily think it's a worse film. I think it's like a more interesting kind of maybe a more uh, vulnerable take on it. I see him bringing a di- not necessarily good or bad, a different kind of vulnerability to the character, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. You know, I'm going to draw a little bit of inspiration for my choice from what Brian said earlier. I think that if Tom Hanks is in this role, the coach doesn't offer him a scholarship. The coach offers him a job. That he's like, I'm going to Cal Poly. Like, I know that, you know, I'm sorry that I kind of screwed your entire life over, but, like, I'd love to have you as my, like, my defensive backs coach or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, something like that, where it's like, it's not the job you want, but I'm not going to completely ruin your life. And I feel like I could see Tom Hanks on the sideline with a clipboard and a headset on better than I could see him playing defensive back. But, you know, mm. it's not to say he can't play defensive back. I just see him more as a uh, a mentor. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Well, thank you. It was basically your idea, so I would hope <laughs> I like my own idea very yeah. much. <laughs> All right, now the question. If you were going to Stan Lee yourself, so by the by the way, I just, as we're recording this, I just watched 12 Marvel movies over the span of four days. Oh, I watched, uh, yeah, I've watched them all. <laughs> every time Stan Lee came on, I was just like, ugh. Like, what? it's fine. It's fine when you watch one every couple months. It's like, oh, there he is. He's in the window. He's the bus driver. He's the museum mm-hmm. guard. But, like, when you watch so many in a row, I'm just like, Come on, guys. Like, uh, this is... I actually forget almost every time, and then he pops up, and I'm like, ah, it's him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if you want to walk on Rollins in 1983's All the Right Moves, but you are your your, your current day body, so again, a reminder, Mike, you are a 40-year-old man, mm-hmm. yep, um, so yep. we cannot pass for high school, I don't think any of us. Um, where, would, where would you be? What would you be doing? Who would you be in All the Right Moves if you had a, a walk on the Stanio? Uh, the Stanley cameo. Let's see. I didn't really think too hard about it this time, but I'm going to have to say I'm going to be one of the scouts who comes to scout cool. Tom Cruise and everything cool. like that. There's two of them, Brian. I'm only one of them. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to dress up a little more sort of like old school. I think I'm going to give myself like the uh, like a League of Their Own John Lovitz mustache Ooh. and like, you know myself a bit more flair and stuff like that but yeah i'm 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 one of those i'm a scout for one of the schools definitely cool i like that brian what about you now that scout is off the table uh, and i had the mustache thing too god damn it <laughs> i'm gonna play tom cruises and and the brother who we didn't really talk about the brother much mm-hmm. i'm gonna play their uh Serbian cousin who's really disappointed. He finds out that Tom Cruise <laughs> did not get into the college. He's like, hey, so, you know, oh. where are you playing? Oh, it's not happening. Oh, you know. So it makes the father's moment a little bit more meaningful when he's like, I'm really proud of you. I like that familial shame <laughs> that, you know, we, we talk about a lot in Too Fast, Too Forever about, you know, about Johnny Tran's dad and DK's dad just so disappointed in them. So you are bringing it up to Serbia. You're bringing the same kind of family shame. <laughs> I'm going to have a very, very small part. At the end of the movie, if the movie stays as it is, when Coach offers Tom Cruise the letter of intent for, like, I want you to play for Cal Poly, he needs to sign it. And I think there's a scene where, like, I think it's his dad, like, just trying to pad his vest for the pen. Like, I don't know where the pen is. Like, I can't, where's the pen? I'm going to be the guy next to him, like, here's a pen. Here you go. That's it. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Like, you know, it's fine. I'm just a mill worker with a pen in my pocket. That's all I got. 
We have a mailbag here on the show, run at cageclub.me. Let us know what you think of the show, the movies, the episodes, whatever you want to say. Coming up next, uh, if you want to sort of get ahead of the game, we'll talk about it a little bit more later, is Legend, the Tom Cruise movie that I've seen Ooh. once. That is one of our guests' favorite movie of all time, so I'm sure that won't be crazy or anything. But uh, email us, run at cageclub.me. Just say hi, let us know you're listening. That would be cool. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com slash cageclub, if you want to control what Mike and I watch. I forgot, Mike, you know, we, we always promote that it's the crazy, the high level that we we rightfully ex- don't expect anybody to ever pay us $100 a month. But we always talk about how, like, that is if you want to pay us that much, like we will do an entire podcast, whatever you want to do. But I forgot, like at the lower tiers, like the $10 tier, we'll do a podcast about any movie that you want us to do. So um, if you really have something that you like the way that we talk about things, I guess, and want to uh, have us talk about your favorite movie or something, you can do that. Or just want to say hi, or just, you know, help us keep the lights on the proverbial lights, whatever. uh, Patreon.com slash cage club. Easy question, guys. Does Tom Cruise run? I mean, he, he returns an interception for a touchdown, so absolutely he runs. Oh, yeah. I caught another instance, too. When, Go for uh, it. What is it? When him and the townies are trashing Coach's house. Oh, yes. Comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Very he nice. Very, very him. nice. Hey. And gets left behind. Like, come on, guys. Mm-hmm. What, what's going on? All right, so we, we teased it earlier, Mike. You mentioned one thing that we're for sure going to nominate. It's time for the Tom Cruise Awards, maybe the Golden Oak Leaves, maybe the Golden Footballs. Who knows? Probably not. But... Best film, worst film, I don't think either one. Mm-mm. Best of the worst, most fun, bad film, no. Nope. Best or worst role, I don't think so either. I think it's, mm. again, sort of in the middle. I mean, like, it's good. Like, he's okay, but this, you know, I don't right. think it's, like, a memorable. Most badass role, no. Most wasted performance, no. Best fight, mm. no. Like, he doesn't really get into a... I mean, like, there's the scuffle at the end of the bar, but that's not really... Yeah. Super noteworthy, but the first thing we're going to for sure nominated for best theme song slash soundtrack slash score, all the right moves. Oh yeah, for sure. I can't believe how many theme songs we've had so far, Joey. Like we. So are, we're we're six episodes in. We already have four things nominated. <laughs> we have all the right moves, endless love, losing it, and, and you business. haven't even gotten to Top Gun, which has like three I know. iconic songs oh, at least. It's insane. I know. Oh, that's God. that's an understated, uh, unexpected blessing. On this podcast, is, it, is there a mm-hmm. nomination for best sunglasses in this? No, no, no. We, that's that's coming up. So best car chase, no. Best dance scene, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, no, no. look, come on, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty amazing. All right, though. yeah, I'm gonna it's say, I'm gonna say, uh, locker room. I'm gonna put it in parentheses. Semi Super Bowl shuffle. See, yes, yes, exactly. Because what amazed me is moves. knowing how well Cruz can dance and seeing him act like he can't dance and everything. Like I don't know, I was dying. Oh, <laughs> was one like... thing I did want to point out, which uh, I thought about Brian when I took a note, because uh, Brian, you generally ask in your podcast, so we didn't for the episode we were just recorded. Uh, do the actors look like high schoolers? Mm. Tom Cruise and Leah Thompson, I think, could pass. They're they're young enough. But, like, there's that one guy who's, like, in his, like, shoulder pads and just jockstrap who looks like he's a 40-year-old dude. (laughs) Yeah, like the Sasquatch kid. Yeah, like, like, all the extras. Basically, if you don't have a line, you don't look like a high school kid. Like, you're just, like, 25 or 30 or 40 looking. Uh, Like, it's... Did we mention that one of the high school players... I think his name is Shadow. Yeah. Um, Did we mention he's played by an actor named Leon Robinson? No. I recognized him instantly... Because he's the star of the film Cool Runnings. Oh, John Candy. okay. Oh, wow. Very cool. And he's also in yeah. a film we'll cover on my podcast, a high school film, Above the Rim. He's one of the stars of that. Oh, so, nice. Another sports yeah, film. Yeah, so this was, uh, both those are, all those are sports films, actually. Right? Because. Oh, yeah, Cool Runnings, <laughs> yeah. The uh, yeah. Jamaican bobsled team. Yeah, yeah so I, I knew I recognized his face, and I, and I looked him up while I was watching. And I, I, I like him, so. Do we want to nominate uh, Best Outfit Wardrobe, uh, him in football attire? Hmm. Football uniform? I'm going to put it on there just for now. Okay. What you about know, his birthday room. suit? <laughs> well, I mean, that's a, that's a whole other thing. We can get to that category soon. Best sunglasses, no. Best death, he, he lives for this movie. Best line and freak out. Wait, I, does he live to this movie? Or I like my theory. <laughs> I do like it very was, better. There was it's, an accident at that mill, and yeah. It's a Jacob La- Jacob's Ladder scenario, as Jason Mitsukas <laughs> always points out on how this gets made. Best line, best freak out. Like, I feel like this is the kind of movie, like I mentioned before, his sort of, his mini monologue at the end, but I feel like that's not even impactful. Like, the way that it's written mm-hmm. for him to deliver as he's like, 
sort of like a half a sentence and like you know just being like man like fuck like whatever like, just like <laughs> you know because he like says a thing and then just like gets pissed off at the situation like keeps going like I feel like the acting there is is good it's well done mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I don't think that the actual writing like the actual like when you when I when I typed out the monologue I was like oh okay like it's fine like it's good yeah. but I think in the grand scheme of things not necessarily award worthy no you know what's funny is I wrote down party speech and I don't even remember it like I've, you know, I must you know it, at the time maybe it moved me but like now I don't even remember a word he said so that sex scene no although I am going to say Leah Thompson in her like cold weather like long johns or whatever adorable but that's not best sex scene I don't think or should we nominate it for losing like losing it I'm still trying to figure out what constitutes like a best sex scene like um, well, like, most, I mean, th- th- what we have nominated so far is Around the House with, Re- with Rebecca De Mornay in Risky Business, <laughs> and then On the Train in parentheses, You see, Coward, says Walt, in Risky Business. Yeah, so, like, that makes sense. Like, On the Train in Risky Business, like, that's probably going to win, you know, <laughs> that's what I'm voting for. Well, I mean, but, we're going to have I mean, in Top Gun, like, Take My Breath Away, like, that's a thing, and then, oh, yeah, like... and I think there's a Waterfall one in Cocktail... I mean, eyes wide shut say, has sex scenes. Shut, yeah. Well, what do you mean eyes wide shut? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what do you mean Fidilio. that entire movie? <laughs> Fidelio. Maybe the problem with the sex scene is that it isn't. There's nothing extraordinary about it, right? Like it's too normal. It's just too beautiful young happen. people having sex. Yeah, but there's no masks involved. There's no. It's true. All right, we'll know, skip it. Props. <laughs> uh, most athletic feat. I'm gonna say uh, interception return for touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> in all the right moves best running scene mm. same thing do we want to do the car chasing like I feel like the, the the point you made Mike I think that's a good thing I don't know that like that's not what you remember about that I, I think we maybe don't nominate this for best running scene oh yeah we don't no that's cool no I just meant that he ran more in more than one scene oh sure yeah absolutely best or worst love story I feel like it's, again it's somewhere in the middle like it's rapey which is bad but I feel like there, there's genuine emotion with like it's like they have a good relationship, but they're also just kind of dumb high school kids, right? Like it's yeah, I think it's too normal. Like again, which is fine for the movie. Like it's yep. supposed to be normal. It's yeah, you know, like a normal, healthy yep. or somewhat healthy at least. I don't know. Best ensemble cast. I think mm-hmm. it doesn't stack up the taps of the outsiders. I think that the rest of the cast is yeah. good, but we don't really get a sense of the football team. Like we have we have Chris Penn. Uh, we Not have the guy who gets them. arrested, but like. Mm-hmm. We don't have a colorful cast of characters. Agreed. It's more of like, again, like the entire town or whatever, you know, just the community. They're trying to go for that. And if not, like focus on Cruz. Best or worst non-Cruz actor, male or female? Do we want to nominate Leah Thompson? Or is she not as good as Diane Lane, Rebecca DeMornay, or Shelley Long? I mean, she's playing that sax, dude. Like, I think, yep. okay. Leah I think she gets it. Like, that is, and it's only her second movie. Like, poof, yeah. This is going to be a big category for you. I mean, like, she, I mean, eventually. Oh, we're, we're definitely like, going to do some pruning. <laughs> I want to, I might want to, I mean, a Leah Thompson podcast would be so enlightening because, like, just to get to Howard the Duck again <laughs> and, like, all of that and whatever came out and then Caroline in the City for, for you know, yeah. like, oh, but another Being another parallel universe, universe yeah. I'm doing that. <laughs> I think that also sort of falls into the conversation that Brian and I were having that I mentioned on a recent Cage Clipper visit with you, Mike, is that, like, not everything needs to be a podcast. Like, <laughs> no, like no. you can watch all Leah Thompson's movies. By all means, go for that. But, like... I'm just going to rewatch Howard the Duck. That's <laughs> Back to the Future, Howard the Duck. That's all you got to do. Is there any other category, anything that we did not mention, did not nominate so far, that is either best or worst in this movie. I think, again, Mike, this is another one where it's sort of mm-hmm. good. It's fine, um, but it's not necessarily noteworthy in the, like, in, the, in the grand scheme. It's not bad. Like, he still has a bad movie, yeah. but it's... Did we have anything for previous podcasts where it was like, did uh, Cage cry or did Charlize cry? Like, is there is there like a that kind of thing? Like, we did there... Zach Efron crying, I think. Did he cry in this? Did uh, Cruz cry? Does Cruz cry? Probably... Oh, I think I think I, I think he for sure cries a couple times, but okay. But is there anything else? I mean, you know, aside from crying, which he, he definitely cries, but I don't think it's necessarily anything else that we we want to nominate, good or bad, about this movie. I think it's I think it's fine. I'm good. I think we're in a good place. Uh, we nominated for five things. We nominated for best theme song slash soundtrack slash score, best dance scene for the Super Bowl Shuffle, of course, uh, best <laughs> outfit wardrobe, best most athletic feat, 
and best non-cruise actor female, Leah Thompson, in all the right moves. Okay. Um, well, uh, Brian, thank you so much for joining us here on this episode. At the end of every episode that we remember to do this, we'll plug a, a podcast on the network. So you were here just last episode. So we'll, again, promote High School Summer Party. But why don't you tell everybody Fridays are for fun. High School Summer Party every Friday. I'm on today's episode about Assassination Nation. Tell people about your show, what you got coming up, so on and so forth. Because I think next week or in two weeks, there's one, there's a movie that you're doing that's very near and dear to Mike and my heart. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But just a little bit about High School Slumber Party. It's a podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric <laughs> films. Yes. Yeah, and what you alluded to is correct. Next week, yeah, next week, yep, next week we'll be doing Peggy Sue Got Married, a Cage film. Wow, worlds are colliding. That was a fun one. I, I recorded it already. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. I hope I do the network proud, but, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot of cool high school movies coming up. Maybe not as depressing as we need to talk about Kevin. Oh, boy. But... Although, I mean, <laughs> still fantastic. Oh, no, like, Lynn Ramsey's got the goods. It's just, god damn. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not having kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're going to start to do some uh, really fun ones and some classics coming up, too. Cool. Well, you're going to hit 50 soon, so I hope you have something exciting planned for 50. Oh, your show's, your show's older than me? I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know anything on the network was older than me. <laughs> I mean, I'll either do 50 or the year anniversary. I haven't decided yet. Okay. So that's fair. 50 or 52. Fair, fair, fair. But again, thank you for joining us. And uh, every Friday, check out High School Summer Party. Whether there's a new Cruise movie or a new Hanks movie that we're talking about, uh, check out High School Summer Party on cageclub.me. So, okay, so, Mike, next episode, we are talking about Legend, which I have seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember much about it, but I've seen, so I'm not going to guess there. You, I'm sure you've seen Legend as well, right? I've actually, I've only seen it once in its entirety, and that was, like, you know, within the last six or seven years. Yeah. And before that, I saw it in theaters as a kid. Yep. I kind of didn't really pay attention, so I wasn't really into it as a little tyke. But I really liked it when I watched it last time, so I'm looking forward to seeing it again. On that episode, we're going to have uh, two brand new guests to the podcast. I mean, we're only seven episodes in by that point, so it's not like there's a lot to be surprised about, but no more Brian yet. But two new guests, uh, one of whom, it's her favorite movie of all time. She had me watch it like four or five years ago, and I was just like, all right, this is this is a movie. So uh, I'm, I'm excited now within the scope of Tom Cruise's career to see it again, and I'm excited to talk to her about it and also the other guest. Uh, so two weeks for that, and the next week we're going to be on the Hanks for the Memories episode, talking about Splash with Daryl Hannah. So not with her as a guest, but you know, with her in the movie. <laughs> I got <laughs> excited. I was like, "Whoa!" No, we have uh, we have an <laughs> even better guest. Off? We have Cara Gale O'Regan of the Whistle Thinking Podcast uh, nice. on that episode. But for all things Cruise Club, you can go to CageClub.me, Facebook.com/CageClub, at CageClubPod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us run at cageclub.me check out our patreon at patreon.com slash cageclub and go poke around cageclub.me and just check out all the different shows that we have but we'll be back next week for Hanks for the Memories and the other feed and then two weeks right here for Cruise Club I'm Joey Lewandowski and I'm Mike Manzi and that was Brian Rodriguez of the High School Slumber Party Podcast and we'll see you in two weeks for Legend right here on 